Uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined by Colby Powell. Colby, this is going to be another uh, fun episode. OSU loses in Fort Worth in uh, just terrible fashion. We have a lot to get to with the OSU-TCU game. But other than that, did you have a good weekend? Yeah, I mean, aside from the five hours that I spent watching uh, plays be reviewed in Fort Worth, it was a good weekend. Yeah, basketball was good. Golf was good. So, yeah, it was all good except for the very long, very drawn-out football game in Fort Worth. Yeah, I don't know why I picked OSU to, to win big. I that, that was dumb. Probably my worst pick of the year. I don't know why I did that. I, I did expect them to come out and play well, which they, they did early, but uh, more of the same of what we've seen really all year offensively. Defensively, they played awesome. But uh, before we get to the OSU-TCU game, we got to hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Log on to chrisuniversityspirit.com if you're not in Stillwater. Otherwise, head over to campus and go to Chris's on, on uh, 244 South Knobloch in Stillwater. You know where Chris's is. All day, every day, they offer free standard shipping on orders over 50 bucks online. So again, it's, it's holiday season. Don't wait till the last minute to get your Christmas shopping done. I have not. I actually have logged on to Chris's and been doing some shopping for my mom and dad. They love getting some OSU gear. So I, I would encourage everyone else to do the same. So thanks again to Chris's for sponsoring the pod. Colby, OSU TCU, where do you want to start? Wow, that is a, uh, that's somewhat of a loaded question. We could start any number of places. Um, I don't know. I mean, we're punting from the opponent's 39 again in the fourth quarter. So that was fun. <laughs> well, let's go, let's kind of go through it as the game kind of unfolded, obviously Oklahoma state, as I said, I, I expected them to come out and play well in this game. I just, it was a gut feeling. And I think we saw that through the first quarter, they're up 13 to nothing. The running game was doing really well with Desmond Jackson. Spencer Sanders was, was making plays and the defense forces turnover after turnover, after turnover, five takeaways. And it's, it's funny, Colby. Go, let's go back to the Texas game. I mean, what did everyone say on the team, the coaches, us? You can't win a game turning the ball over five times. Well, OSU proved it's possible because their offense is absolutely inept. They didn't not score a point off those turnovers, which they didn't. Not, not only did they not score a point, they didn't gain a single first down after any of those five takeaways. I mean, obviously the one was returned for a touchdown by the defense, but Colby, I don't, I don't know where to, to start with how inept their offense is. They had 11 drives of five plays or less. It doesn't get any worse than this. And I did crash on the boards last night with Brian Keating. I guess I'll start with this. OSU has an identity crisis. Mike Gundy has an identity crisis and this has popped up before back in 2009 the offense had gone really stale. The Zach Robinson offense, they kind of fallen into, well, this is, we, we just do what we do. And, you know, they, they try to run the football when they, when they couldn't run it, they needed a complete offensive makeover. And you can argue that Mike Gundy's hand was forced. You could argue Mike Gundy went out and made a great hire, but he went out and got Dana Holgerson and they went full air raid, full spread. No more of this QB run game, kind of, you know, faux, no huddle, whatever they were running with Zach Robinson. They went full air raid. And I think a school like OSU, who does not recruit in the top 15, top 20, even top 25, even now they're in the 50s, you can't run 12 personnel when your offensive line has been terrible for seven years. You can't run 12 personnel when you can't block. They've gotten totally away from what their offensive identity is and what, what made OSU great was their spread offense. And they've gone away from that. And now per the metrics, our my friend Dave Hudson, OKC Dave on Twitter, pointed out this is the worst offense OSU's had since Mike Gunny's first season in Stillwater when they went four and seven. Mm -hmm. That's how bad this is. And again, it falls directly at Mike Gundy's feet. He he makes the hires and this is where they're at. And I I don't know where they go from here, Colby, but they, they need a complete because Mike Gundy's not going anywhere. I'll just say that too. Like if you want Mike Gundy gone, it's going to be Mike Gundy's call. They're not going to fire him. He has a lifetime contract. It rolls over every year. They could notify him 
that his contract will not be that auto renew will end. And then it turns into a four-year deal. So get it out of your head that Mike Gundy's getting fired. That's not happening. But but Colby, they need a, a complete offensive makeover. Yeah, when things go as wrong as they're going right now in Stillwater on the offensive side of the ball, the, the blame always falls at the feet of two people. It falls at the foot of the coach and it falls at the foot of the quarterback. Now, I, I saw a lot of debate over the weekend as to who gets more blame. Mike Gundy, Spencer Sanders. Mike Gundy, Spencer Sanders. I personally am going to blame the 53-year-old head coach who makes $5.5 million and has been doing this for two decades. That's who I'm going to blame. The guy who stands over there and looks like he doesn't have a pulse, looks like he's showing up to work just to collect a paycheck. That's the guy I'm going to blame. Now, I will be the first to admit that the, the sample size on Spencer Sanders at this point is big enough that I think even I can admit he's not as good as I thought he was going to be. He came out in that Oregon State game. He slung it all over the yard. He looked unbelievable. And I thought to myself, and, and probably thought out loud as well, that Oklahoma State has found its next star at quarterback. I, that's what I thought. Now, that really hasn't played itself out. But whenever I look at what happened in the first half with Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State, 13 nothing at the end of the first quarter. They kick a field goal there in the second. I thought Oklahoma State had so many opportunities in that first half to step on TCU's throat. I thought they had them on their backs. They were so close to being able to break that game open and completely break TCU's spirit, and they didn't do it. They, they went another direction. They got conservative. Everything got packed in real tight to the line of scrimmage again. It became a kicking fest again. You had options to go for it. You had options to try to go ahead and pin TCU while you had them down on the mat, and they didn't do it. it it really looked to me watching that game saturday the the game flow if you will was that oklahoma state got up 13 nothing and mike gundy coached like he wanted to win 13 to nothing and that that's just I, I can't figure out why oklahoma state we saw it against texas tech too when you have a chance to bury a team bury a team don't don't let them hang around don't just keep punting and and another thing that drives me nuts and I'm going to get down a little bit of a tangent here, probably a little bit of a rabbit hole, but keep, keep going. I, I don't understand how going for it on fourth down is this huge risk that we just can't take, but running a backup kicker who has proven that he is very unreliable at this point in his career. I don't understand how running him out onto the field over and over again. I mean, they attempted three field goals on Saturday he only made one from 31 yards missed a couple the upright wasn't good to him and then he hit the duck hook I, I just can't figure out how sending him out there is not a risk but going forward on fourth down is I don't understand how on fourth and five from the opponent's 39 with a one-point lead it's it's too big of a risk to go for it on fourth down dude it's too big of a risk to just voluntarily give them the ball back and hope they don't go score and guess what they did they went and scored I, I just don't understand the unwillingness to when you have a team down bury them don't let them stick around don't let them think they can beat you they turned it over five times and Oklahoma State super conservative run run pass Run, run, pass. How many possessions in a row did they run the ball for less than two yards on first down? It felt like about seven possessions in a row they ran the ball for less than two yards on first down. I don't know if that's Gundy. I don't know if that's Casey Dunn. It's probably some combination of the two. They both deserve a lot of that blame. It's, yeah, yeah. some of the blame goes on Spencer. He's not as good as I thought he was. He didn't have a very good day Saturday. But, I mean, they were running it for a yard on first down. They were running it for a yard on second down. And then they were asking him to be Superman on third and eight all day long. I, I, I can only put so much of it on him whenever these experts, these world-class coaches who are doing this at the highest level of collegiate football can't put him in a better position to succeed and put the team in a better position to succeed. I agree with everything you said. And to your point about stepping on a team's throat, I mean, this has been a problem – all season long. OSU has shown no ability to extend leads. Part of that's on some of their deficiencies, but a lot of it's on the approach of their head coach. Totally. There's a reason they don't extend leads because Mike Gunny takes zero risks in order to do so. He will punt on the opposing side of the field. And I think that speaks to why they can't extend leads. It's why every game's close. You can go back to all the years with the cardiac cowboys. That's why the that's why that's a big reason why a lot of those games are close because they're 
their coach doesn't even give them the opportunity to extend leads. And I, I tweeted at one point during the game that it's hard to score points when your, your coach doesn't even allow you the chance to do so when he punted on the opposing side of the field. And so I, I'm with you, Colby. It's, it's, and again, I, I'm with you too. A lot of this is on Spencer Sanders. I mean, he has not proven to be the quarterback we all thought he could be because there were several throws in this game that he just flat out missed the throw to Tywin in the back of the end zone. That was out of the back of the end zone. He couldn't even come down and, and feel to play with it. He overthrew a six foot seven tight end in the end zone. Yeah, that was to Jelani. I mean, it, a lot of this is on Sanders and I don't mean to absolve him. I know everyone knows how I feel about him. I thought he should have played years ago. I don't, I don't need to go down that road again. But you're totally right. I mean, the fact that they can't extend leads to me, and that, that's that's probably my bigger issue in general, is just Mike Gundy doesn't even seem engaged. He doesn't even seem as if he's – like Mike Gundy used to be one of the best coaches in the country, bar none. And right now it just seems like he just kind of is just going with the flow. And uh, I have a clip from Brian Keating uh, that he tweeted out from when Bill Haston – asked Mike if he was burnt out. And this is a bit of a longer clip, but I think it's important. And look, you and I have plenty of time to break down the game, but I think I think everyone needs to hear this. And credit to Brian Keating for putting this out. And he, he questioned if Mike Gundy is doing everything in his power to beat the likes of, of Lincoln Riley, or if he's just kind of playing out the string. This, again, this is a two minute clip, Colby, so bear with me, but I think this is important. Hang on a second. I have not ever woke up and said, do I really want to do this? I have woke up sometimes and said, this, this is getting hard. And, and then I have to sit and think what my options are based on the situation that's been presented to me. And when I go to practice or I have a team meeting, Bill, there's going to be 120 people staring at me. And there's probably 118 of them that want an answer. And that's what you're talking about. But um, I'm not, I can't stay at home and I can't uh, retire and I can't not do anything. And I'm not, I don't know if I'm any good at being a coach, but I'm probably not any good at doing anything else. I'm not any good at farming. I lose money farming. So the point being is this, is that uh, this is what I do. Um, this is how I do it. This is what I enjoy doing. And I'll be honest with you, Bill. I, I like having my back against the wall. I enjoy that. Uh, you know, I woke up this morning at 517 and I was at work by 610. If we would have won, I probably wouldn't have got up till 6.10 and been at work till 8. So maybe I'm a little backwards. But but the point being is, um, at some point, maybe I'll get to, uh, you know, like, like uh, you know, when Bob talked about doing what he did at Oklahoma, you know, he said he wanted his own time. He didn't want to be on call 24-7. He just wanted his own time. And I think at some point, maybe that happens. Uh and there's some truth to that. As a head coach, you're on call 24-7. That's what we are. So I haven't got to that point yet. Um, I like what I do. I like the young people. I like the coaches. I like our staff. Um, you know, at some point, the people around here will think, hey, somebody can do a hell of a lot better job at Oklahoma State than Coach Gundy. They'll probably can me. And then I'll go off and coach junior high football or something. But as far as me saying that it's burned me out, I'm really a long ways from being burned out. Now, does that, Colby, does that sound like a coach who's obsessed with winning? Or does that sound like a coach who just doesn't really have anything else to go do and just doesn't want to sit at home and just has, has nothing better to do? I mean, that, to me, that, that sounds like a coach who's tired and just doesn't know what else to do with his life. Yeah, it's, there's so many young, hungry coaches right now. And, and what that really made me think of is last week I was on Pistols Firing uh, blog and I was reading a story about Mike Boynton young hungry coach Oklahoma State basketball and he talked about sleeping with a notepad beside his bed every night because when he goes to sleep he dreams up plays he dreams up scenarios he wakes up every night he writes in his notepad and then the next morning he goes into Keaton Page's office and they talk about the play that he dreamt up that night that he was laying in bed awake thinking about these plays that he can do I mean that is it, you know, Mike Boynton said, I don't have any hobbies. Basketball is my hobby. It's all I do. 20 hours a day. It's all I do. He obsesses over it. He, he, he really invests everything into it. And, oh, my gosh, that clip you just played. You know, I'm, I'm no good at sitting at home. 
I, I like I like coming to I like coaching football. I'll, I'll just do it until they can me, and then I'll go coach some junior high. It just it, it all is so complacent. It's you know, you know his body language on the sidelines in these pressers. It, it's just all very nonchalant. It, it it's just like this. It is what it is. Attitude. You know, I heard him. Well, I saw a clip on Twitter of him talking after the game Saturday. Yeah, well, you know, it's just not the same team we had earlier in the year. Some injuries and things like that. Well, dude, you're not the golf coach. Did, did you not? Th- did you think there were going to be injuries this season? Do, do, you, do you have to coach scared just because they're injuries? I mean, I mean, we're not at Carson Creek. We're at Boone Pickens Stadium. This is football. It's a physical game. Guys get hurt. How how do injuries? absolve you of some of the decisions that you've made as a coach over the last couple of years he's clearly gotten more and more complacent about recruiting it's not something he enjoys that I mean that's obvious it's not something he enjoys he said in that clip you know he, he likes the kids likes the kids well every time he talks about the kids he talks about you know just how arrogant they are and how entitled they are and this generation snowflakes and this and that and it just sounds to me, again, I said it earlier, we've all worked with people who we know are just coming into the building to get a paycheck because it's their job and it's what they do. You know, they just wake up in the morning, they go to work, they get their paycheck, they go home. It very much feels like Mike Gundy's doing that. And you can't do that as the head coach of one of the top 25 college football programs in the country. Exactly. And I think he got so used to beating up on the rest of the Big 12 uh, you know, the Texas Techs, he had that nine-year winning streak against them. Baylor, I mean, uh, uh, Texas Tech, TC. I mean, he's used to beating the middle to lower the pack, and now he's not. Now he's he's totally not. Now he is the middle of the pack to the lower end of that pack because, Colby, he's now 13-13 and 13 the last three years in Big 12 play. 500 in the Big 12. So you can sit here and say, we have a recruiting philosophy it works. We win 10 games every year. Well, they've lost 14 games over the past three seasons total. And the, the program's at a real crossroads here because everything you mentioned, I questioned if Mike Gundy is coaching as hard as he did back when they were, you know, challenging for the Big 12 championship. I mean, this is over the last three years, Colby, they're now seven and six as a ranked team against an unranked team. Seven and six. That's underachieving. That is not winning football that is not the program that Mike Gundy built and I don't know what the answers are Cole because we we talk about recruiting a lot and Mike Gundy's never recruited top 10 recruiting classes we all know that but during his heyday they were in the top 25 several times now they're 52nd in the country and I think I think you hit on it too it's a young man's game uh 2020 athletes are different than they were in 2010 and I think every coach comes to the kind of the end of his, his rope and gets a little outdated. I think he's kind of gone the way of Bob Stoops. Bob Stoops didn't like social media. He didn't like the way recruiting was done in 2020, 2019, 2017, whenever he gave it up. And I think we're, I think we're there with Mike Gundy. So unless he hires, you know, a staff like full of Marcus Arroyos, that was a great hire. Marcus Arroyo put some legit NFL talent in the running back room. He needs to hire guys like that on on every side of the ball on on offense or every position on offense because they're not getting it done. I mean, Casey Dunn deserves blame too. I don't mean to absolve him either. He's the offensive coordinator. Now, does Mike Gundy have veto power? Of course he does. But I don't see this getting any better, Colby, because they're not recruiting at a high level. Their offense has gone completely stale. I don't think he's going to can Casey Dunn after one season with how tenured he is at Oklahoma state. I think they should move Casey Dunn back to receivers coach and go hire the best offensive coordinator, because this is also where Mike Gundy's gotten in in big, big trouble at OSU. He got tired of his offensive coordinator getting head coaching jobs. And to me, this reminds me so much of Tulsa basketball. Tulsa kept hiring the best head coach available. They would win big and then they would leave. And what did Tulsa do? They hired a guy they thought would stay and they haven't been the same since. They've been nowhere near as good. They got tired of hiring the Bill Selfs who would leave. And I think he did that at offensive coordinator. You know, Lincoln Riley's name was all over OSU message boards for years to be hired as offensive coordinator. Everyone, everyone saw the potential in him. Mike Gundy knew who he was, but Mike Gundy knew if he hired Lincoln Riley, he'd be here one, two years maybe, 
and go leave and get a head coaching job. He was tired. He was tired of doing that. He was tired of having to go hire a new offensive coordinator. And so he hired guys he thought would stay. Yursich turned out to be a great hire, but he hired him because he thought he would stay. And now he struck gold with Yursich. I thought Yursich did a great job over the course of his tenure. But then he hires this Sean Gleason, who was obviously a bad fit, left after a year. He hires Casey Dunn, who's a long-tenured coach, who I thought deserved the opportunity. It's proven he probably he's not done a good job. So you get just go hire the best guy. Go hire Dana Holgerson, who was here a couple of years. And just keep on rolling, man. I, I just think he's made some bad hires offensively because he was tired, which I think is, a, is becoming a theme in his coaching, his recruiting, and his hiring. I think that's it's as simple as that. Yeah, and we even hear it in that clip that you played where he said, you know, some mornings I do wake up and I think, man, this is getting hard. It's, it's like college football has evolved and Mike Gundy has not. It, it's, it's almost like you said, like he's going the other way to where he was this young, hungry coach that came in. I mean, you remember the, the fire of the press conference. Now I don't totally agree with that rant and everything that w- went into it, but you remember the fire you remember, I mean, his team's going out and playing hard for him week in and week out. And I, I just don't see the same culture at Oklahoma state that I think we got used to for so long. And I don't know where else we can lay the blame. It just, at some point, I think everyone wears out their welcome somewhere. And and what I hope is that Mike Gundy, I, I hope that this does not continue to trend downward. And I'm afraid that it's going to, because my personal opinion, and this is just me guessing, I don't think Spencer's going to be on campus next year. I, I think obviously Chuba's going to be gone. Tylen's going to be gone. Colby Hargrell Peel, Rodarius Williams, you know, Trey Sterling, who knows? Tevin Jenkins is going to be gone. Um, who, who knows what they do with Casey Dunn. So it could get worse before it gets better. What I don't want is Mike Gundy, who is an all-time great Oklahoma State Cowboy, one of the all-time great Oklahoma State Cowboys as a player, as a coach. He's been here for the better part of four decades now. And what I hope is that he doesn't tarnish his legacy by just kind of pissing away his last few years as the head coach and, and just showing up to collect a check because he's meant too much to Oklahoma State to, to do that. He's meant too much to Oklahoma State for us to have to remember him for taking the program into the tank before he leaves. So if he's going to stay, I, I think he needs to do some self-reflection and I think he needs to decide, do I want to be all in or do I, or do I need to walk away? And I understand it's a high paying job to walk away from, but you can't be half in to being a college football coach. You can't. It's an everyday thing. It's it's something you have to obsess over. It's why they make the money they do. It's why the ones, you know, we hear stories about the guys who sleep in their offices and do this and, you know, work-life balance and farming and all that. That's that's not so much the life for a college football coach at this level. So I think that he has to do some self-evaluation and ask himself, do I want to give this job what it requires for us to compete at the level we need to be competing at. And, and I hope the answer is yes, because again, I, I just, I hope that we don't have to have the conversation when his career at Oklahoma state is all said and done, that it was great for a while. And then he tanked it before he left. Yeah. And that's, that's the issue that most coaches run into. Very rarely do coaches get out before it, the bottom falls out. And I I'm, I'm wondering if this is, is this is the, the scenario in which the bottom falls out and and look, he has done a great job. He's the winningest coach in OSU history. And remarkable stat here. I mean, this is now nine straight seasons since 2011. Remember, 2011 happened, and I kind of thought OSU was was off and running. OSU was going to be a Big 12 champion multiple times since 2011 because they it were supposed to vault Oklahoma State into the next tier of college football programs. It, yeah, and and they were top ten in the wins in wins over over that span from like 2010 through uh, through I think gosh the last three years have kind of dropped them down to the top 15. But this is now 14 out of 16 years, Colby. He's lost three games or more. And so is that has he had a great year or a great career with with the 10 win seasons? Yes. Big 12's been pretty gettable over that time. I'll give them a lot of credit for beating up on Texas over the years because that's something OSU had never been able to do prior. But the Big 12 is not some gauntlet. He's losing to very average football teams. And I think that that's the big question moving forward is, 
is OSU just one of those those middle of the road teams? So again, they they played a TCU team that is really inept offensively, and their defense forces five takeaways, and they don't get a first down. And I think a lot a big talking point after the game was, and Gundy even said this that. <laughs> He said, we, we got to stop. His main point was they got to stop giving up big plays on defense. It's like, Mike, your defense had five turnovers and you couldn't do a thing offensively. How in the world are you harping on the big plays that you gave up? Because again, they did give up some big plays to a bad, bad offense. That's, that's true. But the defense faced, again, 17 possessions because your offense cannot stay on the field for a sustained period of time. That, it's, it's chicken and the egg. I don't, I'm not here to listen to, well, they gave up big plays defensively. Defense did its job. They gave you the ball five times back, and you and most of which in, in, a, in enemy territory. I was going to say, most of those, you had a pretty good place to start. And, again, every time they got a turnover, run, run, pass. Run, run, pass, punt. I, I just – I can't understand the predictability. After one of those fumbles, my family has a group text that we use during the Oklahoma State games, and we just kind of – throughout the game, we just text whatever – so after they got the fumble, it went to commercial, and I texted. And I said, gee, I wonder what play they're going to run here on first down. And what they do, they lined up in the pistol. They snapped it to Spencer. He handed it to Dez. He got a yard. And, and now you're behind the chains again like you were on every possession all day because you kept doing the same thing over and over again. And, and I guess they thought it was going to work. I guess they thought, you know, if we keep doing it, it'll work. And what happened is eventually after seven possessions in a row of running the exact same play out of the exact same formation on first down, what do they do? They take a deep shot to Thailand. Spencer makes his best throw of the day. They hit it for a touchdown. Now it's entirely possible that that's the last play uh, that we'll ever see Tylen Wallace play at Oklahoma State because he hurt his knee on that play. Why would he play against Baylor? Why would anybody who plans on ever getting paid to play this game uh, play against Baylor next week? The bowl game, certainly the NFL guys aren't going to play in that. So Boy, I just thought of that. That just kind of hit me. That touchdown catch is probably the last the last snap we'll ever see Tylen Wallace play at Oklahoma State. Yeah, and I, I man, I, I really hope he's okay. It it didn't look it didn't look good because he didn't come back in the game, but he was kind of standing there on his own power and, and wasn't just in tears that you would expect if he had you know torn his knee up again. So maybe it was just a tweak, and he stayed out for precautionary reasons. I hope that's that's my hope. But I think real quick, one hour ago, Zachary Lancaster tweeted. He said, Mike Gundy said, we'll know more about the status of Rodarius Williams, Trey Sterling, and Tylen Wallace tomorrow, but thinks they should be okay. That's good. I mean, I, I hope so. And if I'm Tylen, I'm not playing. It's Baylor. And no. I think when he went out of the game, Colby, it just kind of shows you how much Tylen has masked so many issues on offense. I mean, without Tylen Wallace, this offense is Kansas bad. It really is. That's that's the level of ineptitude they've gotten to on offense. And again, you can tell me that they didn't have Chuba Hubbard. Their offensive line's been beat up. I'm not here for the excuses. I don't know what they practice all week, Colby. They don't they don't have any identity. They don't have any seeming any semblance of a plan. Everything's difficult. And if you if you at least in your first 15 plays of script, which I guess they did score 13 points and wrote 13 nothing. Just nothing seems easy for this offense. And I, I posed the question on Twitter. If OSU goes ones versus ones in practice, does the offense get a first down? Do they gain a yard? Do they score a point? What do they What do they do in practice? Because I see nothing in the games that leads me to believe they have any semblance of a plan. Yeah, and I refuse to accept that just because you have some offensive line injuries, you have to call the games the way they've called them. And, I, and I'm putting the blame with both Mike Gundy and Casey Dunn. I think that they're probably both responsible for the offensive game plan. I think Casey Dunn calls the plays, but Mike Gundy, obviously, as we've seen from our time, can radio up to him and tell him kind of what he wants to come down. So I think the blame goes on both of them. I've, I've kind of given Casey Dunn probably too much of a pass this season because it was his first year. We didn't know exactly how the pieces were fitting, the offensive line troubles. But, but I think I'm, I'm done handing out slack now. And then Jason Elmquist, who writes for the Stillwater News Press, you know, we were talking about, and, and I tweeted this out Saturday after the game. I said, any Oklahoma State player who plans on going to the NFL should sit out the Baylor game. It's not worth the risk when the season is essentially over. 
So Jason Elmquist an hour ago tweets out and says, Oklahoma State head coach Mike Gundy raises a good concern about players opting out late in a season or before a bowl game. If the top players aren't playing in those games, does TV, TV interest drop and ESPN looks into airing NBA games uh, instead, for example, and there goes the lucrative money. If you don't want your players to opt out of the last game of the regular season, then coach with a little fire until you get there so that the last game of the season isn't meaningless. It's meaningless. Why would any of them play? It's not worth the risk. Millions of dollars on the line. It's a meaningless football game because you've gotten your ass kicked the better part of the last six weeks. Uh, woo. I'm with you. I, I'm with you, man. Uh, no, and, and again, I think I'm so tired, and I, I'm sure the players are too. Like, if you've watched our time, whether it's a win, whether it's a loss, Gunny has that same old speech after every game that you got to celebrate this one and come back to work tomorrow, put this one behind. Like, I think his message is just – it's stale for me listening to it just in bits and parts on our time. And in his press conference, he says the same things. I think his message is going to be really tough to sell. That let's put that TCU ineptitude. Let's put. And again, I this is what you're talking about, Colby. I think it sends a message to your team when you punt on the opposing side of the field. It sends a message to your defense. And if I'm a defensive player in the locker room after that game, I'm flipping over tables. I'm I'm going, what in the hell are we doing on offense, coach? Because I poured my heart and soul out here. I'm beat up. We forced five turnovers. Eamon Ogbong Bamiga forces a school record, uh, or he recovers a school record, uh, three fumbles. And they have nothing to show for it. And Mike Gundy's sitting there going, well, we gave up too many big plays on defense. To hell with that, man. Like, you got you to gotta do better offensively. And that, and that falls on, on the head coach. So It was weird real quick. The turnovers that TCU – I tweeted this on Saturday too. What does TCU practice during the week? Do they practice ball security? I've never seen the same turnover happen over and over again throughout a game. It's like Amen was just going in. He was putting his right hand on the ball. He was ripping it like they're taught to. But the ball rarely comes out on those. Occasionally it does. It happened five times on Saturday. I could not believe just how atrocious TCU's ball security was. It was terrible. And again, that's credit to Jim Knowles and what he coaches. And yeah. two, two quick things before we get to, uh, believe it or not, Kyle Boone's uh, weekly segment. Uh, I thought you had an unbelievable tweet that kind of caught fire on, on Twitter. Uh, you you want to recite that about Mike Gundy's uh, coaching uh, aggressiveness? Yeah, it was real simple. You know, I think I sent it out after he punted from the opponent 39 again in the fourth quarter. Uh, I simply said, go to uh, Gundy's coaching is so conservative, they're going to start airing OSU games on OAM. It was <laughs> it was intended to be a joke, and 99% of people took it that way. So I appreciate everyone uh, responding in kind to what was fully meant as a joke. Yeah, and a running – it was a great tweet, and it's so – it's it's embarrassing how how conservative he coaches football games now. It's it's become a joke, and it's such a joke that a tweet like that just people all, all agree with. Um, so, and my dad texted during the game, my, it's kind of become a weekly, uh, tweet for me, just a text my dad will send <laughs> he, so all he texted was run, run, pass, punt, run, run, pass, punt, run, run, pass, punt. And that's what we saw. And, and again, if I'm the defensive coordinator at TCU, I'm just cackling in, in the booth. Like, okay, they're going to run it here on first down. Okay. They're going to run it again. Okay, now let's get in our, th our third down passing defense because that's what's coming. So it was all too predictable. And it's just, again, you can handle losing a, a football game if you're an OSU fan. What you cannot handle is the tail-tucked approach of Mike Gundy. And I think that's why a lot of people are frustrated on top of all the losing as well. So uh, Kyle Boone, again, writes uh, a column every Monday, believe it or not. This, this week's is on, uh, and again, you should check it out on Pistols Firing. It's on Mike Gundy in the 2020 season. Believe it or not, Colby, Mike Gundy deserves all of the scrutiny. Wait, come again with that? Believe it or not, Mike Gundy deserves the scrutiny. Okay, I'm sorry. I got confused. I thought you were going to keep going. You wanted my uh, believe it or not here. Uh, believe it or not, Mike Gundy deserves the scrutiny. I, I think it's pretty clear where I fall on that one. Uh, believe it. <laughs> Yep. I mean, uh, he, he makes good points here about 
you know, his recruiting has stagnated. Uh, wow, this is startling from Kyle Boone. Uh, OSU has not recruited a top four class in the Big 12 since 2017. Whoa. OSU is 19 and 16 since 2017 in league play. Whoa. And losses in games that should be wins. Um, this is brutal. Yeah, brutal. So it, it's, uh, it's a believe it for me too. And I mean, he's the head coach. And again, I think people... Mike Gundy has kind of lulled us, lulled us into just believing in his recruiting approach because he does get the Tylen Wallaces, the Chuba Hubbards, typically the quarterbacks. But you're starting to see what happens when you have a few injuries. You don't have the depth or the talent to make up for that. You know, everyone's dealing with injuries. Oklahoma's had injuries. They've had COVID issues galore. And they keep on winning because they recruited a high level and they have depth. And that's, that's, that's to me where the biggest concern moving forward for me is Mike Gunny's recruiting because the coaching clearly is not there and they don't have the dudes top to bottom to, to compete in the big 12. That's why they're, they're middle of the pack now. Uh, and this is another easy one, but the 2020 season is a disappointment, believe it or not. Oh, believe it. Huge disappointment. The, the things that this team was supposed to, and quite frankly could have, accomplished and there's a, a myriad of reasons why it didn't happen obviously I think Mike Gundy and Casey Dunn have underwhelmed this season I I will admit I, I think Spencer Sanders has certainly underwhelmed this season the turnovers against Texas uh some of the missed throws on Saturday and I think there were a lot bigger problems than Spencer Sanders on Saturday but he did miss a throw to Tylen Wallace in the back of the end zone just saw him way too late and then the throw to Jelani I mean that's uh, at a point in the game where you have a chance to tie it up and give your team a chance to win the game. And he just airmails a six, seven tight end gets picked off and they don't have another good chance there. But yeah, I mean, if, if you would have told me, um, you know, that I was sitting here screaming about to, you know, lose my mind over the last game of the season being meaningless. If you would have told me that on September 1st, yeah, that would have been a, a big problem for the last big 12 game of the season to not mean anything to Oklahoma state. Nope, you're right. So it's it's clear disappointment for me too. And again, just juxtapose this season. I think you can you can make a legit argument. This is Mike Gundy's worst coaching job that he's done at Oklahoma State. I go back to that 2015 season. It's unbelievable they won 10 games that year. I thought that was his best coaching job. You know, they had Mason Rudolph. They had no offensive line to speak of. Their defense was not any good, and they somehow. You know, they won a ton of close games. That's when the Cardiac Cowboys moniker was born. And a lot of that is due to the fact that Mason Rudolph was big time. And I think you're seeing that Rudolph made up for a lot of deficiencies then and drug that team to 10 wins. And Sanders is not capable of doing the same thing. I think it's a very similar type team in terms of their offensive line being bad. They still had skill talent. And I think a lot of this goes to Spencer Sanders not becoming the quarterback we thought too. So it's not all Mike Gundy. But I think it speaks to the program he's built that it, it really just comes down to if your quarterback can can just be otherworldly and, and win a bunch of close games with his arm. And Sanders has not proven he, he can do that. Yeah, so. and, and another thing with Spence, Spencer Sanders' lack of development, still to this day, the best start of his career was his first start against Oregon State. And I understand the level of opponent, Oregon State, and all that. Still a Power 5 team, and he looked great. He was making long 30-yard out route throws in that game. He, he was doing some nice things. Um, I mean, we have to question player development a little bit as well. You know, Mike Yersich was really good with quarterbacks. Gleason comes in. He's the offensive coordinator and the QB coach. This year now, we've got Casey Dunn as the offensive coordinator and Tim Rattay, who was supposed to be a big hire in the offseason as the quarterback's coach. And all I've seen is regression from the quarterback. So, yeah, a lot of that falls on the quarterback. But, man, if, if we're going to give coaches – a lot of credit and we've done this forever in Stillwater because the recruiting is subpar but the player development has been fantastic to where they get the absolute most out of the guys they do bring in and, and now with Spencer it's like the opposite he was a highly touted recruit and then the player development just hasn't been there and I think that that has to fall not only on the player some of it definitely falls on Spencer but I think some of that has to fall on the coaches as well the player development clearly hasn't been there well yeah and yeah, I mean, Sanders was throwing it all over the yard in that first game. That was his best game. He has regressed. And I think, too, you can make you can make an argument that Mason Rudolph didn't develop at OSU. I mean, he plateaued. This guy, I don't think he regressed, but I think he plateaued. I mean, he was a third-round pick. I mean, for the career he had to go in the third round, I think 
I remember, I remember going into the draft that year, there were so many you know, detractors on Rudolph with his, you know, his footwork and, and all sorts of quarterback issues that, that, that they thought he had. And I think you can make the argument that he didn't truly develop at OSU um, in, in terms of the way that, you know, he could have with the level of talent he had. So I think that's a, and again, that's, that to me goes back to the higher, like the, the constant, you know, hiring of coordinators you thought would stay and, and all, all the turnover that, that they've had. Because again, as you mentioned, Sanders on his third quarterback coach and, and offensive coordinator. So that's a big problem. And so I, I want to get to, you know, everyone on Twitter and, and, you know, at, at the, uh, at the water cooler are talking about, OSU needs to fire Mike Gundy. OSU, I'm, I'm done with Mike Gundy. That's a big sentiment in, in Stillwater. And Mike Gundy did take a pay cut this offseason with all the turmoil. That's that's another layer to Mike Gundy's career right now in Stillwater is all the turmoil he had with his own players in the offseason. He took a pay cut from $5 million down to $4 million, and he still has this rollover contract. And I think if they choose to – into the rollover, I think that'll that'll come to light, and I think that'll add even more tension, pressure, heat, whatever you want to call it, on on where Mike Gundy is as head coach. But again, I think he's going to be able to decide, Colby, when when he calls it quits. And I think people, it's such an interesting thing to me because Mike Gundy's all we've really known since OSU actually invested in football, actually attempted to win at football with the facilities. Because let's face it, OSU was not trying to compete as an athletic department for the longest time. I mean, they had an old rusty stadium. They had no facilities to speak of. They were barely an athletic department in terms of football. And now that they are, they're, they're a legit football program. They're paying their head coach $4 million. For the people that think that OSU can't go hire a big time coach for $4 million a year, you're sadly mistaken. I mean, I, Mike Gunny's done a great job, but OSU has changed. OSU football has dramatically changed and they are a top 25 football program. You could argue under Gunny, they've been top 15. Now, could it go, could it go worse? Of course it could, but I'm sorry. You can recruit at a much higher level than what Mike Gunny has been doing at Oklahoma State. And I think that's important to Mike Holder. He came on this very podcast and criticize Mike Gunny's recruiting. And I think when he said it on the pod, I wasn't even taken aback. That's just a fact. That's just a reality. Now, people argue, should your athletic director be criticizing their head coach? Maybe not. But he's just speaking in plain reality terms. That's what Mike Holder does. He does not sugarcoat things. And what does he do? He hires coaches who can flat out recruit. Mike Boynton, case in point. Josh Holiday, case in point. Kenny Gajewski in softball, recruiting at a level that OSU softball has never seen before. Uh, Alan Bratton, getting, getting dudes all over the PGA Tour, who we'll, who we'll get to later on in the show. So if you're sitting there going, oh, my God, if they get rid of Mike, what's going to happen? Oh, my God. What's going to happen is they're going to go pay a coach big-time money to come in here and kick ass and get, get on the recruiting trail and actually put in some work. So that that's where I stand. And I I don't know how you feel about all that, Colby, but I'll just turn it to you. Yeah, and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking right now at some of the alterations that were made to Mike Gundy's contract. This offseason, obviously, he agreed to the million-dollar pay cut. That was after he said in the spring that that was not a move he was ready to take. Let, we can be honest, it was a PR move this summer. He needed some good PR after everything went south, and that was a good PR move. So he dropped his salary a million for this year. Also, there was a reduction in the length of his contract from five years to four Following an internal review, Gundy proposed some of these sanctions himself. Also, the guarantee in Gundy's contract dropped from 75% to 50% of his remaining contract if he were to be uh, essentially bought out. So if I'm doing the math right, $5.25 million is his annual salary. If it's a four-year deal and he's guaranteed at least 50% of that, then if just from what I'm looking at here, that's $10.5 million. Ten and a half million is a lot of money. Oklahoma State ain't pulling the trigger on ten and a half million. Um, but but yes, as far as and I think that there are less of those people now than there would have been a year ago. The people who are worried about what comes next because th this is always and it's like if you're in a toxic relationship with somebody, but you stay in it because you're like, well, what what if I don't find somebody better? Well, if what you have isn't working 
isn't it worth it? Isn't it worth a try? Isn't it worth a try if it's not working now? And I think for a long time it worked with Mike Gundy. I think it has stopped working with Mike Gundy. You, you know, I've obviously been really hard on him. That's that's me analyzing him as a football coach. When his career is done, I hope that we, myself included, can look back and appreciate everything that he has done for the university. But right now, it's not good. I, I don't think it's going to be good next year. Based on the recruiting, it's probably not going to be good for a few years. Y you know, I just don't see how it gets better before it gets worse with Mike Gundy at the helm. I, I do think he'll be around um, for another couple of years. I'm curious to see what happens this next offseason. But it's just uh, – it, it feels like we're getting close to that time. And hopefully – hopefully it doesn't get – too bad, and hopefully it's not a, a messy divorce because he has been an all-time great cowboy, and when it is done, he deserves to be remembered as such. Like I said earlier, just I hope he doesn't tarnish his legacy on the way out the door. Yeah, I mean, name the name the field after him. I mean, name yeah. – build a statue. I mean, I, he deserves all of that. And, again, I, I'm with you. I think people think that I, like, don't like Mike Gundy. That is not true. Mike Gundy has been awesome for OSU. He's been a great content creator in terms of his personality. He's been – unbelievable i mean the heights he took osu to are unbelievable and he deserves all the credit for that and i i just have to break down what i'm seeing in front of me and what i'm seeing is a coach that seems disinterested a coach that coaches frankly scared to make a mistake doesn't go for it doesn't put all his chips on the table you know he has this reputation that he's this like gunslinger he hasn't been that maybe ever. He's always been a more conservative type coach. He just had offenses that were unbelievable. And he just has to rediscover that or else we're going to see more of the same. So uh, a few more takes on the TCU game, Colby. My boy Jelani. Jelani Woods finally gets involved somewhat. And he goes full like Peter Warwick jump cut, just jukes a dude out of his jock strap. And again, if you... <laughs> The lack of involvement for a guy who I think is going to play in the NFL has been startling. And look, they, they put so much emphasis on these Cowboy backs. God, they're on the field the whole game. And they hardly ever throw to them. They're basically extra blockers. And it, it's part of why they've strayed away from <laughs> their offense. And I'm looking at Jelani's game log. Uh, he's had one catch in one, two, one, two, three, four, five games. And three catches in another. And that's it. One, one reception per game, basically, is what he's saying. He has eight catches for 129 yards this year. And that's a guy who I think is going to play in the NFL. So, I, again, I think, you know, on a later podcast, I kind of put out there that we need – or I guess we can do that now – a ring of honor of underutilized players in OSU. I think Jelani is going to get inducted this year. You know, the, the, the head of the class is Tyreek Hill, who they somehow played at running back at OSU. Now he's, like, the best player in the NFL – the most dangerous, certainly. Uh, Chris Carson's up there. Who, who are some other underutilized Ring of Honor candidates, Colby? Yeah, it's it's crazy the guys who leave Oklahoma State and then are better in the NFL than they were at Oklahoma State just because the way they're used. Tyreek is the obvious one. You know, he was a return man and a gadget guy at Oklahoma State, and now he is one of the most difficult guys to cover in all of the NFL. You mentioned Chris Carson. Uh, did you mention Tyron Johnson? Haven't yet. Put him in there. Tyron, yeah, we can put Tyron in there. How about on the other side of the ball? You know who I didn't think was an NFL guy at all, and he's been a starter for the better part of half a decade now? How about Trey Flowers? Oh, wow, yeah, on, a, on Seattle. Flowers. Yeah, I mean, he's been lining up at defensive back in, in Seattle for, for five years now. Playing, cor awesome. playing corner, by the way, and he played safety at OSU. Yep, and I understand you have to, you know, move some guys around for certain reasons, whatever, but – and obviously, he's a pretty good corner. If you're, if you're starting in the NFL that long, you're doing something right. He's not a $100 million corner. He's not Jalen Ramsey, but he's doing something right. So, yeah, we can throw one in on that side of the ball. Now, some guys who were great at Oklahoma State on that side of the ball, too, like Emmanuel Ogba, he's had a phenomenal year in the NFL. But he was great at Oklahoma State, too. And there are some of those guys as well. You said Jarwin, didn't you? Oh, no, I did not say Jarwin. Okay, good yeah, that's, that's another one. Blake Jarwin, they just did not throw the football to enough I, I said at the time like I remember going on the sports animal pregame show and I was like why don't they throw it to Blake Jarwin that's a guy I think can play in the NFL <laughs> and sure enough he's he got a big contract from Dallas unfortunately he got hurt 
but again, I, and again, I, I guess that's kind of a, it, it shows that Mike Gundy can recruit talent. It's just, I think it shows you, you know, some of the deficiencies that they just, for whatever reason, don't get guys involved. We went over on last week's show, the receiving talent with Tay Martin and, and D Anderson, who just aren't even on the field, don't even play much. And again, I think that goes to their offensive philosophy with the lack of uh, a spread offense. So uh, any more takes on the, uh, on the TCU game? Um, I, I think I, I feel pretty good. I think I got it out of my system. I only blew up once, so that's good. Um, looking here, I mean, Dez looked good again running the ball, I thought. Uh, if that was the last that we've seen of Thailand at Oklahoma State, what an absolute stud. Wish I wish with injuries and everything, it, it just – I wish we could have seen more of him at Oklahoma State, and I wish we could have seen him in more high-flying offenses, but he's just been unbelievable. And then Amen was unreal on Saturday, so – yeah, a lot, lot of good stuff. Oh, also, uh, Brendan Presley finally got the opportunity re- to return a kick, and he returned it to the 40. So I'm glad we waited <laughs> until the ninth game of the season to cut him loose. Didn't uh, fair catch it like they're so used to doing. Uh, Desmond Jackson really got going early. Uh, OSU stats and information just put this out. That's interesting. Desmond Jackson is the only player in the nation to have gained more than 400 rushing yards this season without a single negative rush. Wow. And I think that speaks to – what they've kind of needed at, at running back, this the no frills approach, hit the hole, gain positive yards, don't try to dance at the line of scrimmage. And I think, I think their offensive line play is playing better in terms of, of blocking. Now, they, they were not great against TCU, but they weren't just a sieve like they've been. So I, I give Desmond Jackson some credit. I think he's, he's shown potential to be the number one running back next year. So that, that was a positive as well, although he got, he got bottled up there in the second half due to their – quite frankly, their, their predictability. Um, so again, you mentioned it, they're finishing up at Baylor, a place they have not won at since they opened McLean stadium for whatever reason, they just have not had any success in Waco and Colby Baylor played Oklahoma tough. They held Oklahoma to less than 300 yards total on offense. And that, that spells disaster for this offense. I mean, going against Dave Aranda, who I think's obviously a def- one of the top defensive minds in college football. Baylor still has some athletes, even though their, their, their record doesn't indicate that. I think they showed that they're going to give OSU a lot of problems uh, this, this coming Saturday. Yeah, I haven't uh, – I need to look up the line for that game and see how Vegas feels about Oklahoma State. OSU and- can't be favored in that game, can they? Oh, boy, that would be really tough. Really tough for them to be favored in that game, especially not knowing really who's going to play in that game. Uh, wow, Oklahoma State is a four-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. They're a bigger favorite in that game than they were against TCU. Wow. Well, I, I get it. Baylor's probably – they have a worse record than TCU, but I don't know how you watched both those teams and make OSU a four. And, and that's that's a weird line, too. That's kind of in the Vegas zone. Um, but, man, I, it'd be, I'd be hard-pressed not to wager on Baylor with that point spread because, I mean, how is OSU going to manufacture points, especially if Tylen Wallace doesn't play? I mean, they're, they're completely hapless without him. We talked last week about just how important is Rodarius Williams is. Why would Rodarius suit up for this game? I mean, he's going to be a first couple of rounds pick, and he's been fighting an injury off for the better part of a month now. I just – yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't love Oklahoma State. I don't know who I'm going to pick to win it. I'll have to uh, do a little more Baylor research before I decide what the game is going to be. But, man, that's four and a half's a lot. I don't need to do any research. I'm picking Baylor right now on, on Monday. I'm picking Baylor by at least a touchdown. Because, again, is, there, is OSU's defense going to force five turnovers? I, the, the, the odds are against that. Now, they might get a couple. But, again, I just I don't see any way with what they've shown with their offensive game plans. I just I don't see any way in which they're going to be able to outscore Baylor. And, look, Charlie Brewer's a decent quarterback. He's not great, but he can move the football. And if OSU's a defense is going to be out there for 17 possessions with all the punting that's going to occur, I just – there's no way I can confidently pick Oklahoma State in this game. So, I, as of as of Monday, I'm, I'm taking Baylor. And, again, that's – I think it'll only further the point of just how, how disappointing this season has been. Yeah, it's uh, it's been rough in this last game. Man, if they lose this game, Carson, that's a 6-4 and four season. 6-4. and four. Yep. I just – I mean, think think back to where we were before the Texas game. 
think back to where we that wasn't that long ago and now we're looking at a program that could go six and four and head into the offseason absolutely reeling it is going to be a long you know Mike Gundy in that clip said he likes it when his back's against the wall well then he's going to have a great couple of years in Stillwater (laughs) well gosh you mentioned that Texas game like where is that offense they were rolling in that game and I know Texas defense stinks but it's not like TCU's defense is great they just it's like they've gone into a shell offensively because we see nothing no no sense of creativity no sense of diversity on offense and like there has been spells like that Texas game where they they lit it up offensively in that first half and I I just don't know where that's gone I don't know what they do during the week I don't know what Casey Dunn is doing as offensive coordinator but unless we see a game plan like that with just a shred of of creativity and flair I I think it's going to be another slog like the like the TCU game so do you want to get to bullets and bb's absolutely let's do it Let's do bullets and BBs where we give out our helmet stickers for uh, positive plays with the bullets and negative plays with the BBs. I'll start with a bullet. I'll go with Brock Martin, who <laughs> showed some some running back maneuver. He showed like two different sport. He's a three sport athlete. He showed uh, he showed running back moves, and he got in the end zone with that touchdown return. And then he showed off his his wrestling moves. You know, he's a state champ wrestler out of high school. Did it, this this TCU offensive lineman was getting some extracurriculars in after TCU had scored a touchdown, and Brock Martin just absolutely hip tossed him into the ground, into oblivion. And I think that that offensive lineman didn't realize who he was dealing with because that's a guy who was on John Smith's wrestling team at one point last year. So I'll, I'll give it to uh, Brock Martin. Yeah, Brock even tweeted after the game. He quoted the uh, video of him slamming that dude and said, "I don't think that guy did his research." before he decided to get tough after the play. That was that was maybe the best part of the entire day is when that big lineman tried to back him into the end zone and he just hip-turned him and put him on his back. That was pretty good. Uh, I'm going to give a bullet. I, I've got to give a bullet to Amen. I mean, Amen was unbelievable. He just kept ripping that ball and finding it. It's It really is a shame that only one of those was a scoop and score because we know what the offense did with those five turnovers, nothing. But it's also why it was so important that Brock Martin got in on his – um, yeah, I've got to give it to Amen. He was he was phenomenal, and he's been phenomenal for Oklahoma State. Shout out, Amen. Yep, three uh, again, school record, uh, three fumble recoveries, uh, big time, big time play from from Amen Alvarez. He's had a great career at OSU. Uh, BBs again. I I have to go with Spencer, who has not developed. We we discussed it a lot on this show, and again, I just I thought he missed some throws that you just you have to make in a tight football game, and you can. You can make all the excuses in the world about the offensive line and the offensive philosophy, but there were throws to be had and he didn't make them. And I think a bigger problem too, Colby, on top of just missing throws, he gets so flustered when he's trying to scramble. There was a, there was a play there in the, in the game in which he tried to, the pocket had collapsed and he tried to bounce it almost to the outside, but he kind of bounced it backwards and it, and it results in a sack. And I think you've seen a lot of the, a lot of the sack numbers this year have been increased by his indecisiveness on when to take off with the football and, and how to hit the hole. And I think that's, that's something that's supposed to be a strength of his. I think my dog agrees with that. That's supposed to be in you know, the mailman's here. He hates the mailman. So uh, he also doesn't like OSU football right now. But that, but you hear me, Colby, that's supposed to be a strength of his in terms of his, his athletic ability and his running ability. And he gets too flustered at the line of scrimmage. And he's the source of a lot of the offensive problems. Yeah, he, he definitely has been. There's no doubt about it. Um, I think I'm going to give my BB to the offensive coaching staff. Uh, and that's Mike Gundy. That's Casey Dunn. And that's Tim Rattay. I think, uh, obviously, Tim Rattay is now – this is his first year at Oklahoma State. All, all I can grade him on is the nine games that I've seen. Uh, and – you know, not a great start for Tim Rattay at Oklahoma State in terms of his quarterback progressing throughout the year and not making the same mistakes over and over again. Um, I'll also give some to Casey Dunn. I don't know exactly what Mike Gundy was telling him to do on these play calls, but, man, you, you got to pull the lead out of your offense. Stop, run, run, pass, punt. Give, give your offense a chance to succeed. Don't do exactly what the defense thinks you're about to do. And we've seen a lot of that from Oklahoma State offensively. Uh, and then Mike Gundy, I, I thought, again, the uh, the body language, the the fact that 
picking up three yards on fourth down is way too big of a risk, but running out a kicker who, you know, could barely get it over the scrimmage to kick a 40-yarder is not a risk. Don't totally understand that. So, my for the entire offensive coaching staff. Yeah, and Casey Dunn after the game, I thought was you – know, he was obviously downtrodden with the way things played out, but he, he said some strange things. He said, I like the direction we're heading. Really? What direction is that? To dead last in the Big 12 in offensive numbers? I, I, I don't know what he's talking about. I, if, I, if I'm him after the game, I say we did a terrible job. You know, the quote Mike Gundy, I didn't like our game plan. So I don't, I think they're, I think they're out of answers, frankly. If that's, if that, if that's what we're saying after that game against TCU, I like the direction we're heading, then you got, you got much bigger problems. So again, I, I supported the hire. I thought Casey Dunn had, had, had proven he's one of the best assistant coaches in the country in terms of what he did at receivers, but he has to do a lot of reflecting as well. So I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, you want to want to get to the Chris's University Spirit uniform review? About the only positive Absolutely. of the game? Nailed it. You're perfect. I, I said you were right on, on the show. I, they they typically wear white white black at TCU. It's a great look. It's one of my favorite road looks. I think it's a it's a clean look. Uh, helmet looked good with the brand. So no no complaints on the uniform. They they looked the part. But uh, my my uniform Heisman, and it's not just because he had three fumble recoveries, but Amen Ogbongbamiga going to number seven was was awesome. But he has like so much going on. He's got the visor. He's got all the accessories on. I think Eamon just looks the part. He plays the part. And he was the defensive player of the game. Yeah, we're actually, it's funny. We're flipping uh, our bullet and our uni Heisman. The uni Heisman for me is Brock Martin. And maybe it's because I just so thoroughly enjoyed watching him flip that big offensive lineman in the end zone. But man, even when he picked up that fumble, he looked good in the open field. And it's a good thing he scored, uh, you know getting tackled there or scoring is probably the difference in seven or zero, uh, or I guess six, I should say, since the extra point was missed. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm going Brock Martin for my uni Heisman. Love it. I love the, uh, I'm a big fan of like the, the just the eye black everywhere, just all yeah. over the face. I think yeah. that always looks tough for a, for a defensive lineman. So he was, he was on my radar as well, which defensive linemen don't get enough love on the, uh, the uniform Heisman segment. So I'm glad we, we got Brock Martin in. So Again, disappointing loss. We'll have to see if OSU can pick up the pieces against Baylor and and try to try to get a win. And I, if nothing else, Colby, I just want to see them be aggressive, go forward on fourth downs, show a little bit of offensive flair, and just give us give us something, some shred of positivity to 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 look at when it comes to OSU football. Because right now it is just it's just a quagmire. So. Without further ado, let's get to one interesting thing, Colby. One interesting thing we saw over the weekend. Uh, I think we're going to go uh, golf-centric here. Why don't you lead us yeah. off? Let me do just one quick one before I go golf. I'm doing two interesting things. One interesting thing, that win against Marquette last week for OSU basketball looks really good after Marquette beat number four Wisconsin on Friday night. Uh, did take Oklahoma State a little while longer to take control of the Oakland game on Saturday than I would have anticipated, but they end up winning by 13 there. So Oklahoma State looks basketball looks good early. Uh, and then my other interesting thing, Victor Hovland gets it done. Birdies number 18 rolls in a 10 footer with some break to it to get his second career PGA tour victory and his first in a main PGA tour event. The other one was in Puerto Rico, which is opposite field event. So this one comes with it, all the world ranking points, all the exemptions, masters, uh, you know, the other major championships, two year exemption, all of it. Uh, Victor Hovland, second career victory. Awesome. Awesome stuff from Vic. Yeah. I mean, he's, Top 25 in the world. Uh, he breaks the Puerto Rico curse. You know, he posted a picture on Instagram and just said, what curse was his caption? <laughs> because everyone who has won that opposite field event at Puerto Rico ha does not have another win. So he, he broke, he broke the curse and it was, uh, it was interesting coming down the stretch. He was spraying it around a little bit, but again, to, to birdie the last to win your second PGA event was, was absolutely big time. And he's, Sky's the limit for him. I mean, him and Matthew Wolf are going to be contending for majors for, for years and years to come. So that, that was awesome, awesome to see Victor get in the, in the win column again. And mine is, is dealing with uh, OSU golfer as well. Um, Ricky Fowler, we've talked on this show how much he struggled. In 2019, he was, he was top 10 in the world. And now he's slipping. I think he's 49th currently. And he falls. He's, he's about to fall out of the top 50, I think. Because I don't he, think he, he is top 50. I think he fell out. I'll look real quick. Yeah, look at the OWGR rankings, and 
he missed the cut at Mayakoba, which is not a, you know, not a strong field. Uh, Austin Eckrow from OSU, I think it was T12. Shout out to him as well. Yeah, so, shout out to Eckrow, man. 52nd in the world, by the way, for Ricky. Yeah, he's, oh gosh, he's outside the top 50. I mean, he's going the way of Jordan Spieth, to be frank. And he's getting outperformed by an amateur from OSU, let alone, you know, Hovland and Wolf. And Eamon Lynch uh, from Golf Week wrote a absolutely scathing column. I tweeted out a link to it if you want to read it. Um, he he goes over how much Ricky has not won. And he's going over kind of, he's going through swing changes and all of that. But he really hammers Ricky on his, the time he spends with sponsors. Ricky admitted that he spends about 30 days out of the year, either shooting commercials or doing sponsorship obligations. And he kind of said that that hinders Ricky's, you know, that's 30 days out of the year. He's not working on his game. He's shooting commercials and Ricky has more sponsors than he has PGA tour wins. And I think that's going to go away. <laughs> if you're outside the top 50, you don't see speed on as many commercials nowadays. And so I think Ricky's at a real crossroads in his career. Look, he's still young. He's still in his early thirties. He still has time, but you have to wonder if, if Ricky's going to get his game back because he's not, he's not making cuts, let alone contending for wins. Yeah, it's man. It's been rough to watch. And that story, I haven't gotten to read the whole thing, just kind of what you told us there. And we were talking about it before we came on earlier. It's been rough. And, and I don't know, this week kind of felt like a little bit of a passing of the torch from Ricky to the young guys. I mean, Ricky misses the cut at Mayakoba, which is not the best. I mean, it was a good field for Mayakoba, but it wasn't great. Ricky misses the cut. A guy who's still in school at Oklahoma State finishes T12, and a guy who's in his second PGA Tour season out of Oklahoma State gets his second career tour win the same week Ricky misses the cut. It really felt to me, Carson, like kind of an unofficial passing of the torch and, and kind of a message to Oklahoma State fans. And my mom's this way. She's the hugest Ricky fan in the world. And, and it's like, that's all great. But until he decides he wants to be an elite golfer again, there's a whole bunch of other guys wearing orange out on the PGA Tour. I'm going to follow those guys around because they're actually contending and winning tournaments. Yep. No, it's it's a crossroads first career. Make no mistake about it. And and again, Ricky is such oh, a likable guy. He he doesn't, he's not like a Bryson DeChambeau where he gets into tiffs with anybody. Everyone likes Ricky. He's 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 a he's a true professional, true gentleman, and all that. But he's just he's not getting it done right now. So hopefully he can he can rediscover his game this season on on the PGA Tour because you're right. He's he's outside the top 50 and uh, he's got some soul searching to do. So hopefully he can rediscover his game. Hopefully Mike Gundy will coach with his mullet on fire on saturday i'm dubious but uh we'll have to wait and see colby we will get back with you on on friday any last words before we get out of here hey college basketball season golfers are rolling go pokes baby it's cade season we'll talk to you again on friday